MFs, episode 65, Hustle Like You Broke. Matthew Walt here, as always, a glorious day today, jumping on the bus with a few of my favorite people. As always, the most consistent, I gotta give him props, original tag team member, you may remember him from way back when, my brother Hamilton. Kyle, how are you today, my friend? Just a balanced evening here in Marietta, California, maintaining. That was a very subdued hello from Brother Hamilton. Well, because, you know, sometimes you can't give all the hype all the time. So I'm giving you the balance. <laughs> this is a balanced day, you know, so I'm giving you the negative side of it. Just balance. You know, I'm good. Copy, copy. <laughs> Fair enough. Also with us today, always happy when he can be with us, my brother from another mother, Brother Banks, Chris Lee in the house. What's going on? Uh, doing all right. Doing all right. Happy to be here on the bus again and uh, enjoying this beautiful sunny weather in Southern California that we're having today. It's great. Now, now, we are starting 30 minutes later than usual today. Have you had your breakfast cocktail already? I am not doing a breakfast cocktail. I have to uh, pick up my daughter today, so I am... Uh, <laughs> Trying to be responsible and not be that dad, <laughs> you know. <laughs> hey, hey, Dodger, hey, get in the car. No, I don't want to be that dad. So copy that. Well, thank you for your discretion. Also joining us today, I'm sorry to report first that Sister Hamilton or Sister Dallas rather is not sisters. with us. Sister Hamilton is not with us either, for the record. I was like, I was like is there a tax Dallas thing happening? I didn't know. It's Sister Dallas. It was, what, what's going on? I want to get in. Are we, are we claiming people? What's, what's going on? Well, we teased this last week, and I'm very happy that she could be joining us today. Our new regular guest host, Tammy Blevins in the house. What's going on, Tammy? Uh, it's, I'm doing great. I'm also in Southern California visiting family and happy to be here. I'm yes. a little jealous because as I understand it, all three of you and our guest from today are in beautiful, sunny Southern California. I call it a glorious day because it's always a glorious day when I get to spend time with the fam like this. But I would say it's probably 40 degrees outside where I am Oh. Not quite Southern Dreary California weather. Dreary. It is supposed to rain later mm, yeah, on, yeah, but that does yeah, not yeah. hurt my mood because here I am, all of you, we're on the bus. You know, I want to start off, last week we talked about the Grammys. I don't want to spend much time talking about it. It's a week in the rear view by the time this airs, but I will say poppy, glitzy, glossy, all of those things that it was, this was very much the year of the woman at the Grammys. And I want to give it up for all the amazing women making music right now, because we had performances by Taylor Swift, by Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion. We had Billie Eilish. We had Haim. We had Dua Lipa. We had Brittany Howard, Miranda Lambert, Maren Morris, Doja Cat. I could keep going. We also had wins by Beyonce, multiple wins by Beyonce. We had her, Dua, Billy, Taylor, Megan, they all won awards this year. So kudos to all the women in the music in the music industry right now, keeping us afloat during the pandemic, keeping people bobbing their heads and having a good time. And uh, that's all good news. Very, very happy for that. Now, 
Switching gears to festival mode, though, we've been doing our festival watch for the last few weeks. Some go up, some go down. Lowlands just said they are happening in the Netherlands, August 20 to 22. Banks, remember those crazy threads that they give out at the Lowlands? Everything is like L's all over the place. They have that crazy. Yeah, it's an acid. It's an do. acid trip. Yeah, I, I'm very aware. There's a I'm picture sure of me with one I'm pretty sure I got one, one in my road yeah. case. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I need to pull yeah. that out. Yeah. I, I'm, so I'm glad to hear about Lowlands. On the other hand, no word on what's going to happen with Red England Leeds. The plan is still to go. But anybody that's been watching the National Health Service in England saw they announced a one month delay in vaccinations right now. They are now not starting to vaccinate people under 50 until May. Now, what does that mean for 40s, 30s, 20s? Does that mean that festivals are happening in August? I don't know. Meanwhile, by the time we air, the Tokyo Olympics will have had a meeting. It's coming up next Monday, which will be yesterday when we air. And they are meeting whether or not to allow foreign spectators. They believe if they do, it will be max 50% capacity. But all signs are there happening. Reduced capacity, unfortunate for the Tokyo economy, but great that the Olympic Games are taking place. All good signs. Also in the news here at home, Jay Balvin just announced he's doing a neon experience in Las Vegas four days in September. Here's what I want to know. And Tammy, you're our in-house festival person, so I'm going to direct this towards you. <laughs> Uh-oh. Here Hot we go. You, guys have, Hot you guys have nothing to do with Life is Beautiful or the neon experience, to my knowledge. So no. this is no commentary on C3 whatsoever. But... Neon Experience and Life is Beautiful are happening right down the street from each other on the same weekend. Does that say something about Latin representation in American festivals and Life is Beautiful in particular? Is that something that's worth discussing? Yeah, don't you think so? Absolutely. I do. That's why I asked. What do you think? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. More diversity, more choices. Simple as that. I like it. I like it. Well, I'm going to say one more thing, then we're going to jump into uh, another kind of off-the-wall question, and then we're bringing out our our guest for today. Another festival announcement. Fucking Florida. It's too bad Dallas isn't with us today. We haven't heard what's happening with Rolling Loud still. We believe it's not happening in way. However... Banks, you look like you got something to say about that. What? What is? Well, I, I was going to say it may not be happening because did you see three points got moved? Well, that's to... what I was just okay, going to okay, say, right? Okay, so okay. three points right. is partnering with Secret Project, which is an LA-based company. They are coming together for two stages, fully outdoor, limited capacity, CDC compliance. They say what well, is fucking Miami, April thirtieth and May first. No. Wow. no. Okay, I, what I what I saw was that they were moving to October. No, the announcement. I just got the email this morning. Oh, okay, it gets April changed. April thirty wow. and May wow. one this wow. year. This year. <laughs> okay. Wow. wow. Crazy. Let me. I'm, I'm going to look at this email right now. You're right. You're making me question <laughs> myself. April thirty and May one, twenty twenty one. Tickets on sale next Tuesday. The date we drop. So today, if you're listening, Tuesday, March 23, if you're in Miami for 
whatever godforsaken reason, love you, Sister Dallas, Three Points and Secret Project is going on sale at their festival today for April 30th. Crazy. I'm going to switch gears. I want to ask one question to our resident sports expert before we bring out our guest for today. We're right in the middle of NFL free agency, right? We know you're our sports guy. We know you're a Raiders fan for God only knows what reason. My past just picked up, just picked up two of your free agents, including the second best receiver on your team, Nelson Aguilar. Thank you for that. Much obliged. But here's he was the thing. In, he was injury prone, so it didn't matter. He's soft as cotton. Wow. Here's my question. It's kind of a thinker, and it's not a straight sports question. The concept of free agency, the concept of trading, is that something that we should have in the music business? Artists come out of a record contract. Should be there there be somebody tracking like so and so's out of contract? Who's gonna sign them? That doesn't happen in music. Why does that happen in sports? It's called being independent and doing it yourself. Okay, but but there are a lot of artists that are signed to major labels, including our our guest for today, by the way. Mm -hmm. And we know that sometimes relationships don't work out in any business in sports in particular. Again, that's why I brought it up. What would it be if there was trades going on in, in the major music business? Is that a crazy question? Banks, what do you think? <laughs> that would be chaos. I don't, I don't I know if that so model bad. works for the yeah. <laughs> our industry. It's, it's doesn't work like that. Well, yeah. I wonder. I wonder if our guest for today has an opinion on that, and I would appreciate and totally <laughs> understand if she did not want to weigh in. <laughs> you on didn't it. go platinum. But, we gotta trade you. But I'm trading to Columbia from an, from an artist perspective. If they feel like things aren't going the right way, and they could kind of maneuver a trade, this doesn't feel like the right fit. Well, that's what if you, I move that's over on your here? out clause in your contract when you, before you even sign. You had to have ways to get out of your deal. By X, Y, or Z, you don't just. I'm gonna just give you all my life and fall apart. I mean, if you're not happy, if your label isn't doing what you want them to do for you, you know, you you put these clauses in them. You know, everybody has them. They can just. I can drop you today. Do they? they Does everybody have them? What do you say, Tam? However strong your lawyer is, can determine if you have those clauses or not. I was just gonna say that it seems to me generally when an artist gets dropped from the label, a label or they leave, that it it seems to reflect negatively on the artist and not the label, no matter what the reason is, that the industry looks at it like, oh, they got dropped. What did they do wrong? They didn't sell mm. enough records. They didn't. Mm-hmm. So the perception would, I think, need to change when an artist leaves a label. That's my opinion. I'm with that. I mean, I'm all about turning the paradigm on its head. I'm just the pro provocateur here asking the (laughs) questions but looking from an artist centric artist friendly perspective much like in sports where the artists can influence where they go when they move how best to position themselves i'm just wondering if there isn't something to the sports model that could be applied to music but i'm gonna leave that alone but you can't be independent In, in the sports you can't be independent you have to be with a team in music, you can be independent, do whatever the hell you want to do. So that's the difference. Okay. It's a difference. Is it the difference? Maybe. Currently. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go independent. I'm going yeah. to in the NBA. With who? who are you with who? With? What are you going to do? The team <laughs> of the independents. Right. <laughs> right. I'll, 
that alone. I mean, there are independent sports leagues that do pop up. They're not as pof- profitable. They're not as big. The the athletes okay, the don't X- make as much XFL money. Sucks. But that happens in music too. So there is a similarity and a bit of a parallel there. Anywho, moving on. Today's guest. This this woman is too too important not to not to leave waiting. We're gonna That's just right. jump right in today on the program. We've been waiting for weeks. We have talked about this woman and what she's done several times over. Noelle Skaggs is a singer-songwriter from Los Angeles. She is known as the co-lead singer of the pop group Fits in the Tantrums. She's collaborated with a number of artists, including Black Eyed Peas, Dilated Peoples, Mayor Hawthorne, Damian Marley, and more. Of equal, if not greater significance, at least to those of us who work behind the scenes. She's also the founder of Diversify the Stage. And we have heard from Jerome Crooks about Diversify the Stage. We've heard from Sooner Ruthier about Diversify the Stage. In fact, it was Sooner, I believe, who referred to Noelle as a force. I've had the privilege of speaking to her on a number of occasions in recent weeks, and I can say without hesitation, she is 100% right. So, Noelle, thank you for being with us today. Welcome to the program. Thanks for jumping on the bus. We appreciate you. What's going on? Hi, hi, hi. Um, thank you for having me, Matthew. It's it's amazing to be invited. I'm you know, super thrilled to be here and can't wait to talk about whatever we're going to talk about today. Um, but, you know, thank you. I, I appreciate that. I, I have so much love for Jerome and for Sooner and their dedication, you know, to the work period. You know, um, it's they've been showing up since day one. And I have so much love for them just as leaders in the industry, but also just as humans. You know, they're just great. So it uh, it humbles me that they were talking about me and, and diversify the stage and just being a part of that means a lot. Well, I feel like they're not even the only ones. I feel like Tammy, <laughs> when you were here last week, we actually talked a little bit about, uh, about the work that Noel is doing and some similarities yeah. with the work that you're doing. So I actually want to get back to that. I think we should save that for later in the discussion though, because I'd like to start from the beginning. So you're only, I believe, the second artist we've had on the program so far. Um, Fits in the Tantrums, you've been a band for how many years? Eight, ten years? Thirteen. Okay. <laughs> I think thirteen, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, um, you know, we started playing really early on. I don't think we really started getting a lot of attention until about 20, 2010. Is that right? Am I saying that right? 2010. Uh, so, but we had been playing together, you know, for about a year and a half prior to that, just on the grind, doing all of the, you know, the Sprinter van tours, the Arubas in Vegas and the, you know, uh, the, the small rooms, just making things happen, spending all our money. You know, I'd spent through my savings by the time we got our first record deal. Fitz was spending through all of his and, you know, we were getting to that place in in uh, in our career where we were like, should we reconsider our uh, <laughs> our road here? Because it doesn't seem like anybody wants to really invest in the band as as much as they you know are are being champions of us. But it finally happened, and yeah, now we're we're getting into fifth album that's in the tantrums road. That is fantastic. So you've been there, you've seen it, you've been across the world. You've 
you've worked with a small crew when it was just a couple of you just doing all the work and you've seen it all the way up to where you are today. You guys are obviously with, uh, I guess, the Azoff full stop now management, which yeah. I have a lot of love for Jeffrey and the whole team over there. And uh, Brother Banks, you visited me at my office yes, when I was yes. there not long ago. Um, so obviously you have the perspective, you have the hustler mentality, which is frankly, we're not here to talk about fits in the tantrums with due respect, because there are any number of people out there that are talking about the artist's perspective on all of that. But I think it's an important setup because there are very few people in, the, in this industry who truly see both sides. And here you are now leading Diversify the Stage. And just to read one sentence that's, uh, that, I, that, that I have here in my notes, Diversify the Stage is a broad-based initiative to facilitate hiring of underrepresented touring professionals, as well as to provide en- education, mentoring, and internships for young people to enter the live business. That is an incredible mission. It is something that all of us have seen is hugely important and needed in our business absolutely necessary and 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 so tell us about where that came from tell us about the 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 thought process that led you to this is what i need to do um i think it it stemmed from frustration you know um there was a lot going on obviously for um the black community specifically last year um, and it, you know, it, it, and it wasn't just last year. I think it was now being massively identified, you know, and, and people were now talking about it in a way that they had never spoken about it years prior, you know? Um, and I was kind of looking at my career, you know, with infants and the tantrums, my, you know, uh, recognizing our internal team wasn't as diverse culturally as it could have been. I started asking questions about why, you know, uh, so to speak. Um, and, and I wasn't really getting a lot of like answers that, you know, I felt were productive. You know, it's like, well, don't know, you know, just basically don't know, maybe not applying, you know, we are not really that in touch with how our crews come together um, we, we focus a lot more on the openers, like making sure that they're in line with, you know, the music and the audience and the whole thing. Anyway, so I started really thinking about that. And with everything that was going on, I felt really alone. There was a period that I felt truly alone. Um, you know, even within my friend group, uh, not feeling like I had a lot of people to identify with, to talk about the, the issues with that were really getting it. And, uh, you know, one day I just woke up and I decided like, you know what, I'm going to put this post because it was, I think it was right after blackout Tuesday, which was the nail in the coffin for me. Um, I, you know, started kind of, you know, I was like, I'm going to do this post and I want to talk about the inequities in the live industry that I've noticed. And, and see if it sparks any conversation amongst my peers that are in the music industry, if anybody else recognizes it, it. So I did, you know, I did an IGTV post and I talked about the inequities that I've noticed, the lack of diversity while, when I've been on tour. I talked about how, you know, how I felt like 
the music industry had been thriving on black tragedy and often, you know, our storytelling is, you know, uh, places that we come, you know, come from. I grew up in communities that were considered unsafe, you know, um, and and just kind of looking at hip hop in a way, and 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 looking at the artists who thrive over over the artists who do not, the artists who thrive commercially speaking that get the very large deals that get the endorsements and get all of these other things. But then you have artists who speak about our communities in a more positive light and an educated light, you know, and are, are talking about inequities. They don't get that same attention because nobody wants to hear that. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I, you know, I really, I really spoke about that. And I, and I spoke about the role that the music industry plays in that narrative. And, uh, you know, didn't really get a lot of feedback from people. I got a lot of like comments like, yeah, you know, it's like the yeah thing, which I wasn't looking for that accolade. I was, let's have a conversation about it. I want some of my A&R friends to tap in. You know what I'm saying? Like things like that. It didn't really happen. So I started to get a little bit frustrated because I felt like the whole Blackout Tuesday thing, I didn't get, to be quite frank. I, I, I didn't understand it. I felt like taking a moment to put a black box was not saying much. It wasn't digging deep. It was another, you know, social networking trend. And that was just my opinion because Blackout Tuesday was never really spoken about again outside of it being in the backdrop of the date. I started this after that. You know, maybe it, it was uh, a pool for people to do things. I know for me, it, it kind of, you know, motivated me to start having more discussions with folks that were boots on the ground. I needed to understand one, if I was going to focus on our, on our, our touring and my experience in touring, um, that I, I needed to understand more about how things happened. How do people find their crews? You know, uh, is there a, a standard practice you know, for, for finding eligible candidates for your, for your crews, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, the first person I actually called was my friend, Mark Oglesby, who was the uh, tour manager for one Republic. I really enjoyed, you know, when we opened for them and I really wanted to get his perspective, you know, because he was the only tour manager that I knew for a band of that caliber that I could personally call. Um, so I called him and, you know, I was like, listen, I've been, you know, thinking a lot about touring and I've been recognizing that there has been a lot, there's a lack of diversity as it relates to alternative pop spaces, right? Have you noticed this? What is the challenge here? You know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a person that likes to figure out where the obstacle is, how to work around it, how to, to break down the barrier. I've always been that way. And, you know, we talked a lot about, you know, his side of things. And, you know, he felt that he could do better, that he could do better in, in re, you know, researching and out, you know, doing outreach. And we talked about schools and how he goes to schools and, you know, talks to young people about the craft areas that you could, you know, look into for jobs. And that sparked something in me because I've always wanted to affect young people with knowledge of this music industry. 
you know, on the side for me, it was more on the creative thinking about songwriting, publishing, you know, where, you know, understanding your commodity, copyright, understanding a contract, basic principles of a contract that you're getting involved in. That was something that was always, you know, important for me growing in my career to set that kind of precedent for young people to understand the business that they're getting in. So when he said that, it kind of sparked something in my head, but it was also like, let's get through this first obstacle. There is no central way of finding staff. There's no tool. There's, there's many splintered databases. There are a lot of organizations that have been, you know, you know, maybe unintendedly creating databases because of their community, their support communities within the music industry, especially on the, on the, uh, the live concert side or the concert side. And, you know, for me, it was like, how do we bring a tech solution to this, this issue that I think is contributing to the lack of diversity that we're seeing? Because if we're only saying the, the names of folks that we know, there's a hundred other people that we don't know that we're missing, you know? So how do we start widening the net of opportunity for folks and then really focusing on those underrepresented groups and making sure that they know that this tool is available for them to find work, for them to be able to recruit the whole thing, to promote their businesses, all of these things. So that was my number one focus was how do we build this central tool? Had a hundred conver different conversations, Pete Beetle, my friend um, uh, Jenny uh, Song, who is with Depeche Mode, you know, I called my friend Michelle Bernstein, who was at the time still at WME. You know, I, I made a, a bunch of different phone calls to folks like, who do I need to who do I need to talk to about doing this? Like, who's it? Who's in the game? Is there something that's already existing? By that time, I had already called a friend of mine who is my tech consultant builds infrastructure for, you know, Fortune 500 companies. He is the tech guru called him. I don't know if you've heard of anything that that is like this, but let me pitch you this idea. Do you think that it would work? You know, and he said, my my first thing would be to look and see within the industry if there's something that's already been established that you may not know about and then work with them, figure out how to make this bigger, how to promote, how to amplify it. So when I was having these conversations, Jerome's name came up multiple times. And I was like, I've never met Jerome. I, at least I don't think so. You know, by this time I talked to Malcolm Weldon, Bill Reeves, Lance, like all these folks. And I finally got connected to Jerome and talked about Never Famous, this platform that he'd created, uh, this employment portal that he created to specifically connect, you know, um, qualified staff with recruiters. And for them to be able to market themselves, to create a social environment, you know, and I was, I was really thrilled that we'd met. And I was even more thrilled that it was a person of color that had developed this, you know, that was taking into account the underrepresented, uh, underrepresentation of uh, Black, Indigenous, and people of color within the, the, you know, this side of the business, also looking at women. And then also looking at the education side of it. So we clicked on all of the things. So I wanted to start helping Jerome. How do we start populating this more? How can 
whatever my platform is, my, my, my stance in the music industry, how can I get press out the whole thing? So we partnered up there and then we also made it a goal of ours to create um, an education environment for young people. Um, so once we kind of established how we were going to work together, I started kind of digging into some uh, some nonprofit organizations that had reached out to my band to be ambassadors. And one of them had been Music Ford Foundation. And Music Ford Foundation is, you know, we consider it's like Live Nation has been a heavy funder for Music Ford, a massive supporter. They, you know, are all about education for young people getting them the tools they need for the music industry. If you have an interest in careers in the music industry. So I, you know, kind of dug, dug into their career programs and realized that they had a live sector, you know, like they really focused on bringing young people into music venues, showing them the ropes, you know? Um, but I didn't see a lot after that. Like I, I didn't, you know, see, you know, are there mentorships that are happening? um, internships or anything like that. So I reached out to their, their, uh, director of marketing and partnerships and had a conversation with her about everything that I'd been talking, you know, talking about people I'd been talking to the recognition that there weren't a lot of women of color who were in positions of hiring power that, you know, were coming across my, you know, my iPhone and suggestions um, and you know, that really resonated with her. Why don't we do a program that's centered around young women and introducing them to careers in the space? And we started kind of building that and diversify the stage had not yet had a name yet. So after that conversation with her, I was just kind of talking to managers and, you know, and then I just clicked, I was like, I'm just going to call it what it is. I want to diversify the stage started the website the day I came up with the name so I could lock that in, you know, I'm like a branding person started <laughs> reaching out for the logo, you know, having, you know, conversations. And then I just started calling it what it is. I'm starting this or, you know, this organization called diversify the stage. These are what we're focused on. My main goal is to get young people if, to fill the shallow pool. If it's shallow, that is what I want to do. So I'm going to start with this. Uh, this program with Music Forward Foundation helping me, you know, spearhead it using their platform, the whole thing. And we basically built what is now this first pilot program, which is currently running um, for 25 young women of color um, who are 18 to 25. They're college age students. We did not make it a requirement that you had to be in school, but you had to be at least 18. Uh, to be a part of the program to apply. Um, so we, you know, my thinking was mentorship is very important. This has to be a village commitment. You know, it, it is all about the support that you receive, the knowledge that you have. Because when I was coming up, I didn't know anybody in the music industry. I kind of found my way. It was like kind of the like, the blind leading the blind when I was, I was, I was coming up, you know, so I felt that it was really important to connect these young people to people that are leaders in the industry, no matter what level they're at, the, the VP, the CEO, to, you know, to the, the independent business owner, to the 1099 contracted 
worker. You know, I, I felt that it was really important for this village community to start working together towards lifting up these young people. And the second thing was, is equitable opportunity, because you can't really create diversity and inclusion if we're not being included in the equitable parts of the industry, right? So internship placement was really important. And that was the, that was really the secondary opportunity that Music 4 didn't really have a lot of, especially as it related to live. So I wanted to make that my, my goal for Diversify the Stage is to make sure that we have these, you know, four pillars, the education, which is the introduction to careers in this space, mentorship, internship placement to equitable opportunity at the end of it. Um, so anyway, so, you know, we have this program running. I was able to curate a, a week of panel discussions. I called the Marguerite Nguyen's of the world. I called the Henry Bordeaux's, basically every single person that I talked to and then people I was connected to. And I decided it was also really important to connect with other grassroots organizations and have them be a part of it. I had had a wonderful conversation with uh, Carrie Kays over at Sound Girls, you know, trying to identify the barriers for women in audio. And, uh, you know, she kind of enlightened me in, in the way that we often sometimes run out of mentors. I was like, all right, maybe we start pulling our resources so that doesn't happen anymore. You know, so I brought together Sound Girls, Women in Music, She is the Music. And uh, we curated the first masterclass series together um, through Music Forward channels. And this is something that's going to continue. My idea for this program is every year we take in a cohort of 25 young individuals and we help put them with the right folks in, in mentorship. We help either find additional education opportunities or internship placements for them working with, you know, venues, working with, you know, uh, hiring folks or, you know, tour directors, all of the things to create opportunities for these young people in real time. So if we start on a local level, we start on the local level because not everybody can be on tour. We don't have enough bunks. You know, I'm not trying to, you know, start there. But the idea is to kind of create an atmosphere where people have somewhere to go after they've gotten out of school, you know, that really want to pursue careers in this industry, but then also to introduce them to areas that they didn't know existed. You know, up until last year, I had no idea of what a rigor did. You know, you couldn't have, I, I couldn't even, I, there's still multitude of positions that I don't know, you know, so I can imagine for somebody that's getting into this industry, trying to figure out where to start, you know, you start making things up. Is this the right way to go? Um, you know, so it's, it's, it's uh, creating that pipeline, that education pipeline is a big part of DTS's work and my commitment to connecting with other organizations to do this. How do we build the roadmap for young people and, and get them to the right place, get them the right tools so that, they have an easier time breaking into this side of the industry, which is a mystery for most, for many of us, even us touring artists. So that's the long story kind of short. <laughs> well, the, the way in and the jobs and how one gets to the other is a mystery for a lot of us that have been doing it yeah. for a long time. So <laughs> I think that you've, you've hit on a lot of things there. One thing to be clear, you 
you state very clearly that DTS, and again, diversify the stage is DTS for listeners to make the association. DTS is a movement and not a company. What does that mean? It is in the in the in the way of when you think about diversifying the stage again, I wanted to create something that I meant what I'm saying. Like there's no, you know, mystery behind the work that I am trying to accomplish with others. Um, it can be used in conversation. You know, we are trying to diversify our stage. It is about connecting individuals. It is about unifying our, you know, our, our production, you know, all of it, everything that we're doing. And we'll talk about, I guess we'll talk about the U S concerts Alliance. Um, but just unifying people and having these discussions, if diversify the stage becomes a hashtag within the discussions, like black lives matter is a part of the discussion, you know, and a part of the push forward, that's really how I see diversify the stage. It is an activation. It is an intent. You know, um, there's a lot of organizations like this that are doing this kind of work. Um, and I invite them to take on the verbiage of diversify the stage. It's not about one organization's anything, you know, so I, I try to really make that clear. Obviously, it has to be an entity by, you know, standard practice of business, I guess, you know, so it has to live in something. Um, but it's definitely a, a movement. It is a, a, a way of thinking. It is, is how you put uh, the measure of accountability in place and make that a standard thought every single day for yourself when you're hiring, when you're looking for staff. If you feel like you haven't knocked on a door to knock on it, you know, and see what comes out of it, uh, to take this mountain and this Pandora's box and to work, you know, diligently on building up to those points. Because even with the start of this, and I've, you know, we've had conversations about this already. When I started this work, I had not intended for it to become a thing that was, you know what I'm saying? It was like, a discussion. It was like, how do we start moving forward? And then I recognized that I had to build it. You know, <laughs> I had to actually build it myself because it didn't really exist in this right. way. So, well, it, and I think it's it's especially remarkable to to think of it as a movement because. While you are the force that has been driving this and it is all happening uh, because of the momentum that you've created, it's important that it be about diversify the stage. It's important that it be about the greater good. It's important that it be about the future generations of young people coming along and the wealth of knowledge and information that comes from gaining perspective. and much more so than it just being about one person and right. their ideals. So exactly. kudos to you for that. So what are the next steps? Um, I mean, next steps, honestly, is the communication, you know, um, something that I'm really excited that, you know, Matthew, you initiating that, that email 
amongst folks that I'd been having conversations with, it was the perfect timing because I was already considering it. I just have been so busy with getting DTS programming and taking care of the young women that are in the program right now that I was like, I don't know when I'm going to be able to, <laughs> to do this. You know, like it was like, it's going to happen, but I'm not sure. And then when that happens, time runs away. So I'm, I'm really happy that you initiated the conversation that has now turned into our, our second call um, building this U.S. Concerts Alliance and really focusing on these issues that have been circling through our industry for years and finally getting people on the same call to have the conversations instead of the splintered and the, the telephone we've been playing for 12 years, I've, I've heard, right? <laughs> um, so, you know, it's, I, I think the next steps really one DTS, us getting our programming and getting the commitment from folks to invest in it, you know, invest time, invest financing, invest, you know, uh, uh, commit, commit, right. Commit to creating these equitable opportunities, commit to the education, you know, it's, it's, it's really getting that in alignment and getting it going before 2022. So it's already established, it's already ready to go. We already have the, the roadmap, the game plan, the blueprint, and now it's time to execute. Now it's time to execute. So that's really the next stage. We need more artists, we need more artists. I need more of those leaders that are connected to artists to start talking about this, to start talking about it and not just having it be within our, our circuit. And you know what I'm saying? Like it remains backstage, but nobody's talking to the artists about it. We're assuming that they may know. They don't know, you know, or they don't know how to go about it. You know what I'm saying? Or uh, they're being, you know, kind of kept in this managers. I talk to my manager all the time. I'm like, don't coddle me. Don't coddle me. Tell me the truth. You know, I'll ask you straight up. Why are we doing these shows? Like, why are we doing these shows? Are we doing it for money? Are we doing it for, like, what's the purpose? Like, I question my manager all the time. Not everybody does that, you know? So it's the understanding of artists, understanding that our power and understanding that we can control the spaces that we are in if we want to, if we make that intention, if we are advocating for social justice causes, if we are advocating for equality and all of these things, we have to do it within our businesses as well. And I need more artists talking about this. I can't be the only artist in the room. I love that Cam, Cameron Osha, um, country music singer in Nashville is as active as she has been, has been as vocal as she has been. I love that Maren Morris has been vocal on these issues as well, but now it's really time to like, how do we start building this into our productions? How do we make this a standard across the board that Noelle Skaggs no longer wants to be the only person of color on a stage at a festival? I no longer want to be at a venue that doesn't, um, you know, book people of color in their acts that are not looking at our LGBTQA plus communities that are not being, you know, respectful of people with disabilities, you know, that are not creating safe spaces, that are not looking at the equity and the amount of money that Black people spend in the United States alone. 
and we're being left out of the equitable opportunities, like done with that. We need more artists talking about this. We need more people with platforms, with followings, making this movement thrive. Because it'll be a, you know, a, a, a dead end conversation. <laughs> you know what I mean? If, if the artist is not behind it, what's going to motivate the label to get behind it? You know what I'm saying? Well, well. so I want to ask you about the artists and the artist's perspective now. And, and that's a good segue, although I want to set up and clarify something you did reference. The timing of this interview with you today is completely coincidental that aligns the day after our second concert advisory coming together. Yeah. And and honestly, I haven't told anybody about it on the, the podcast yet because yeah. we haven't decided how we're going to be rolling it out. So I don't want to be too cryptic with our listeners, but I think it's worth saying that um, that a, a few weeks back, I'd circulated an email to a number of people, many of whom have been on this podcast. And uh, it was just like, what can we be doing to be better, to be coming together and doing more and to be aligning our interests and amplifying one another's voices and, you know, minimizing the duplication and what have you. And Noel immediately jumped on and said, you know, you know, now feels the right time, like the right time. DEI is such an important issue right now. And it has to be where a movement like this starts, because until we are inclusive, until we are equitable, it, there's only so much we can do to, to help with this piece and this piece. So taking that kind of rising tide lifts all ships type approach, you bring people in, you bring them up, and it kind of brings everybody up along the way and it makes everything we hope better. I mean, we are working towards a better business model and, and Noel, so you've taken, you know, very active and lead role in that. And, and we'll move on from that for now, because I think the time to roll out what the concert advisory is, is coming soon, but, but not yet. Um, so let's talk more about the artists. So, we said in the beginning how you're an artist, you know, you, it's the perfect timing to say, you know, artists don't typically get actively engaged in the process of building their crew. You said that, you know, you, you didn't, weren't involved in that before you, you didn't really get, and you started looking around and saying, well, wait a second, I wasn't involved in these decisions. And, and now this is what's going on around me. How can I learn more about this? Why aren't artists more actively involved in, putting their own teams together on the road and, and how can we engage more artists to get them involved in this conversation that you're trying to have? I think, honestly, I think it comes down to the, don't worry about it. We got this. We're your team. This is our responsibility. Take that off your plate. Like, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's those conversations. And, and, and then when you're coming into the business as a young person, right. You're coming into the business as a young person. You're living your dream for the first time. If you were, you know, that that ten year old kid, you know, that that comes into the 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 record industry at you know sixteen, however old you get that first record deal, people are already molding and shaping you to what they believe you should be to thrive, right? So the only thing that you are at that point is 
how do we take this kid that is this rising star and make them a mega star? You know, unless you're a, a person like myself who came up in the industry on independent means, you know, had a very different experience. I went from MD to major, you know, so I was able to see a lot of things. I had to learn a lot of things on my own because I didn't have that infrastructure. But my, my, my knowledge within the larger you know, scale of things, when you develop a team and you build all of these things, you get these people in place, it is their job to make sure that your business doesn't fall apart. That is why you're bringing them to the table. If you had that decision, maybe you got a manager, they made the decision for you. But your focus is the creative. Your focus is on performing well during your shows, making sure that your brand is represented if you even know what that is. You know what I'm saying? If you created your own brand, that it's being executed in this way, your persona, you, 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 you. That is, that is really what you know, our experience is as artists and then the things that we care about. You know? So we, for the most part, unless you have grown like I have in the music industry, you had to understand the business to navigate it, to make money, all of these things, or you were groomed, right? You were groomed and then you learned about it later, the hard way. Because yeah. then you realize that none of your voice was your own and you're dealing with that, that Justin Bieber moment, you're dealing with that <laughs> Beyonce moment. Everybody has that moment, right? Where they recognize that, wait, my voice is actually not being heard and I need to take control of that now. I'm taking control of the narrative now. This is how I want things done now. You know what I mean? Whereas before it was more so everybody did it for you. You aren't privy to that. So unless somebody tells you that there's something wrong, you're not going to notice it, you know? Unless you take a good hard look at your experience and then things start making a little bit more sense, you know what I'm saying? You're not going to take the initiative. So I think it really comes down to how you came up in, in, the, in the industry. But a lot of us are, are, you know, it's like we're these precious peas that have to be protected from, you know, the world. And the managers don't want you to know about that. Crazy part. Something that I experienced. I didn't realize how many racist comments were being made about me on our YouTube channel. Music videos, interviews, things like that, because they took them off. They filtered them, they would take them off. So I didn't find out until like three years into my career that that had been going on. I only saw the good things. I only saw the, you know, fits in the tangent, who's the girl and da 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 but I didn't see the ugly side of things until I cut my hair. I cut my hair off for the second record, went blonde to this whole thing. And I got the nastiest comments, specifically from white men, nastiest comments about me changing my hair. And that was the first time I had that experience of, whoa, like I changed someone's perceptions of me that harshly that they decided to talk to me like I was a thing and not a human, you know? And then I started taking notes of like, oh, who's the black girl? And fits in the tantrums, what's, there was always a reference to my race and my sexual and, and my, my gender identification. There was never like, 
who's the, the, you know, female singer or, you know, who's the singer, the next to fits, like who's, what's her name? You know what I mean? Like there was never that. It was always the reference point as if I'm like, I'm the only black woman in the band. You don't need to point that out. You know what I mean? Like it's clear, (laughs) it's, it's, it's clear, obviously that I am, it's just like, who's the, the, you know, the female in the band, she's amazing, you know? And I started to address that, you know? And then the managers would say, don't engage. Why? Why the fuck not? You know, excuse, I don't know if I'm sorry, you know, sorry for the, <laughs> oh, don't you know, but like, it's okay. <laughs> you know, why not? Why not engage? Because, you know, it's like, yes, there may be people that are trolling. There may be people that are not that are showing up to our concerts thinking that it's okay to objectify me. That's not okay with me. I don't care if you ever buy another Fitz in the Tantrums record ever. You will not treat me that way. You will not talk to me in that tone and that disrespect. And you won't do it for any woman ever. If I have anything to do with it, I'm going to call you out on it. I don't care how much money you've spent at my shows, you know, And I've always set that precedent going forward that for me, the respect and the lack of respect that comes through on social media, the fact that people buy your record and all of a sudden they have some ownership in you as a human, you can't have a bad day, you can't cut your hair, you can't have a say in your own personal life and your own personal experience without them needing to be a part of telling you how they feel about it. You know, obviously, you know, the, 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 the larger you become, the more that becomes a, a factor, right? So you, you can't filter through all the comments, but being in the level that I'm in, I have that ability to show a young woman that speaking up immediately is the best way to make sure that shit doesn't happen again. You know, you. love that. That's fantastic. Well, <laughs> I, I appreciate the perspective. Tammy, why don't we jump in with you now then? Because you were telling us last week about what you're doing in the local Austin community. There's obviously some parallel with what Noel and DTS are about. Why don't you jump in? Well, I joined a group um, called Systemic Racism Working Group in Austin that was set up by the Music Commission, Shaka Mahone, uh, Um, the music commission. And we have some pretty, you know, lofty goals to try to accomplish in Austin with um, affordable housing, fair pay, more business opportunities for black and brown musicians. Um, And I think that like, just as a company within C3, we, last week I was speaking about our internship program that we started a couple of years ago, a paid internship specifically targeting, targeting uh, Houston Tillotson, which is an HBCU that's two blocks from our office. And, you know, probably the biggest surprise and challenge of that is a lot of the kids there seen C3 as this one thing. So not looking at it as an opportunity to go and learn a new craft, whether it be marketing or graphic design or sponsorship or artist relations or whatever. And, and changing that perception on our end 
and then going and showing them, no, you know, come in, we can show you that there's these opportunities here. And this is not just an internship where you come in and you learn a few things and then you're on your own. We want to create and, and teach you these different skills so you can find out, you know, what, what your, your strong suit is, what you're good at and get a gig, get a job, whether it's with us or another company, that's, that's your choice, which I, I totally love that. But even like with my own daughter, who is an, she's an artist, she's draws and paints and writes. And it took me two years to convince her that you don't have, she was like, oh, I'm going to be a nurse. Where'd that come from? Not that there's anything wrong with that, but yeah. you've put so much time and effort in teaching yourself how to draw and getting better and better. Now you just need to figure out how to get paid to do what you love. And, you know, and that advice to young kids is probably the, the hardest thing. It's just like, it's okay to go out and go for something that is, is what you actually love to do and just figure out how to get paid for it. Diversify your life. That's what I keep thinking. Yeah. And I've been going through your website and looking at things. I'm like, that's really what it's about, right? Is we have to teach the youngsters coming up in school and whatever, diversify your life. It's okay to go out there and pursue what it is that's going to really bring you joy and happiness. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause we're so often taught at that age to go for what's going to be the most profitable for you to not deal with the careers that, you know, you may have to struggle a little bit. You may right. need to find your footing and your way. How do you bring your creative passions into an atmosphere where you can create a viable career? That's not something that we've ever really been taught in school. That wasn't right. something that's encouraged. That comes from your family. That comes from, you know, folks that, you know, you may have met that have become successful. They plant right. those seeds in your ear, those programs that come through that introduce you to that stuff. Like, I never had anybody telling me that. You know, like I was right. the only person really in my family that sang, but my dad for a long time was like, you may need to come up with a plan B, Noel, because yeah. not everybody comes up, you know, no, excuse me, not everybody, you know, uh, can make it in the industry. I've seen a lot of people fail. Make sure that you're getting that education. He always expressed that to me, you know, and one thing I really got from my father was learning how to save money and learning yeah. how to operate in, in a, in a way that was um, uh, just kind of, you know, conducive to being successful monetarily, you know, look at your career and, and how you're going to make money off of this. Because if you decide to do this, you're going to have to save. You don't, you're not going to have a pension. You're not going to have like, you know, you're going to have to like figure out, figure it out because we can't take care of you. You know, we can't take care of you. We don't, we don't have that kind of money, you know? So he right. always kind of instilled in me looking at how I navigate, how I save, you know, but don't do anything if you're not getting paid. And you can't just, you can't do that in this industry. No, You know what I mean? <laughs> like you got to have to go in knowing like, I may eat top ramen for like a month, yo. Um, but Been there. <laughs> I got no. the, you know what I'm saying? I got the music equipment. I got the whole thing, you know? You Sorry, know go ahead, Kyle. Just in listening over like the, for the past two weeks, 
with this whole, with this vibe about, you know, getting all these programs for people. Everybody, nobody's mentioning about the person we, the persons that we're getting these programs for have to be self-driven. A lot of people aren't driven. And unfortunately, it happens to be a lot of people of color. We want stuff handed to us. And it can be straight given to you on a platter, but you still won't take advantage of it. It's like, where is your drive? It's like, there's a lot of lazy people. And I'm trying to understand where that laziness is coming from. But yet you want the best of things, but put the least amount of energy into it. Well, I think personally, I think a lot of that comes from a, um, kind of a historic narrative to especially black and brown folks that you don't have drive and that you are lazy. And sometimes if people start to tell you that, you believe it over time. And I don't think that's true. I think that I find that the interns, um, apprentices that we have brought in have, um, in interviews have made been a little shy at first and not kind of putting themselves out there. And sometimes that's up to maybe the, the folks that are sitting in front of them to be patient and help draw that out of them and do that type of mentorship thing where you're showing them, no, you do have this in you. Let's figure out what it is that you're interested in. You don't have mm-hmm. to necessarily want to be that when you grow up, but let's give it a try and see maybe you're good at it. You know, it took mm-hmm. me a while to figure I wanted to be a writer when I was in high school. Well, Mm -hmm. I discovered I suck at that. (laughs) So I wasn't that great at it. But as time went on, when I got into the music industry, I found that like logistics, I was really good at that. So I learned to just follow that path. But that goes back to what you do. Somebody, nobody, somebody gave you the keys and you turned the ignition and pressed the accelerator. You figured it out that I don't like this. I don't like that. I do love this. I do love that. I just had a kid Mm -hmm. that I was mentoring per se. And when I first started dealing with him, he just was kind of lazy, real lazy. So I pulled back. So you need to go to school and, and figure your situation out. You need to get your grades, blah, blah, blah. He graduates. He graduated with high marks, very high marks. But the only thing I know from him is he was lazy as hell when he was dealing with me. He graduates, shows me his graduation thing. I'm like, oh, congratulations. Actually, you put the work in for the grades. Two seconds later, he says, yo, can you write me a letter of recommendation? Recommendation for what? We haven't done anything. And it goes completely dark. I haven't heard anything from him since. So I'm like, what do you need a recommendation for? A, a letter recommendation to say, yo, you've done this, yo, you've done that. The only thing I've seen you do is waste my time on the first hand. Then you go to school, you graduate with high guard, high remarks, and then you ask me for a letter of recommendation. I can't recommend anything. So it's like, I don't get it. What what do you what are you looking for? Because I can say, yeah, he has this, 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 and this. I've never seen it. Then he goes out there. And makes me look like a damn fool because he hasn't done anything. So it's like, again, everybody, nobody wants to put the work in. They just want the accolades or to hang out. 
I think it also comes comes down to who is in your everyday life that is being an example of someone with drive. Mm. Examples matter. You also have to look at how many people give up on us immediately in comparison to how they stick with it with other folks. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I had a lot of people write me off when I was young. I didn't know how to make friends. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was just like, if somebody was a friend, you know, just befriended me, then I could do it. I wasn't a go-getter. I didn't know how to hustle. It wasn't until I got older and I started seeing that hustle in hip hop artists that I was exposed to in college that motivated me to maybe try. Mm -hmm. Cause at that point I was just writing other people's songs in my notebook. Mm -hmm. I was singing other people's songs by myself in the living room, but I could never sing for my friends. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I grew up bullied, bullied, not just by like strangers and kids, but other people's parents, you know what I'm saying? So you, it's also kind of looking at like, where does this person come from? Who are their inspirations? What is their motivating factor? What motivated him to even want to get good grades? There is, there was a drive in him to commit to schooling for those grades. Those grades are not easy. You're right. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's looking at that and trying to identify with, okay, this is something that I'm recognizing in you and I'm not sure where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. And maybe taking that approach of identifying where you may actually um, have a shared understanding, a shared, he may not have anybody in his life that is that driving force. He may not have that. And I, You know what I'm saying? But in the same breath, like for me, um, even be, to become an engineer that I am today, everybody told me you will never be an engineer. You need to stick with football, blah, blah, blah. Who the hell you think you're going to get to the industry? Everybody. Even my best friends who I grew up with to today, I'm still friends with them from fourth, third grade. Oh, you never going to do that. You crazy. You tripping. You know, coming from a single family home. I only had my mom, no father. So it's like, okay, I'm looking at these kids, full family, full everything. But it's like in in today's world, you get um, congratulated for coming in last participation. You get a participation award. The world is you have to put in the work. Everything, if that was the case, everybody would have the same tax bracket. Nobody would be hungry. Nobody would be poor. Nobody would be broke. So you have to figure out something within yourself to drive you because I can help you out. It's like, you can't make a dead horse drink. I can give you everything, but if you don't, if you don't grasp on and do something, you're going to fail. All right, let, ahead, let me Matt. jump in here, Kyle. I love you like I'm, a brother. I, sa- but, I sound like but, I'm an asshole, no, but it's I like, appreciate <laughs> you. No, no, not at all. It's like you're telling your of- truth. I appreciate you where you're coming from. Dead horses can't drink. We get that part. But 
you know, take a positivity pill because it Tammy and Noel are talking about programs that they're a part I of understand that are that. lifting people up but you and have providing to lift a positive example. Well, to Noel's point, and I don't want to refute what you're saying, but to Noel's point, and I don't want to speak for her either, but providing the positive example, creating those open lines of communication by way of mentorship, making that safe space, looking for that that commonality. Like Noel said to you, the kid obviously had good grades. He was motivated to do well. How can we connect with that person? How can we lift that person up and, and say, what can I do to help make your okay. situation better? And if you don't want to do this, Cool. Here's the other side of it. But I'm I asked him a point blank question. I asked him a point blank question. What have you done? I haven't done anything for you. You haven't done anything to show me to give you a letter of recommendation. I haven't heard a word from him since. What like, did you a, give him that he needed to accomplish? Again, when I first started, first of all, his father, here's the, here's the other side of it. His father was the one to give me a shot after I finished recording school. So it came full circle. So his son, he says, and his dad just introduced me to his son. So I said, look, I pulled him under my wing. I said, let's do this. this. We were had a, we had a good conversation. We were doing a lot of things. He would come hang out at the studio here and there, but he was still trying to find his path. Boom. I, so, Boom. That's no, no, no. Yeah. so, so I said to him, okay, he said, well, I want to be a producer. I want to be an engineer. I said, you could, you could do whatever you want to do, but whatever you had your heart is into, you follow your heart. So he falls off from the audio side. Cool. No problem. But then he falls completely out the whole thing. Then he goes back to school. Cause I hadn't talked to him for a couple of years. Then out of the blue, he hits me and says, thank you for giving me that, that push to go back to school and do X, Y, Z. Okay, cool. Great. You graduate with high, high regards, high marks. Then you ask me for a recommendation. You haven't done anything. And now since I didn't do that, it's cold. I would say that you reach back out to him because he's young and, and, uh, uh he's can 24 now. Well, He's that's young. that's young. That's you know still that, young. That 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 the brain is your your brain is still in that adolescent mole until mode until you are 24, 25 years old. And not to say anything, but sometimes for young men that might go a little longer. And I would say reach back out to him and not focus on like, well, what do you want to do? Because he may not know, but just be a mentor to him to help him figure that out. Because sometimes I think that's the hardest part for a lot of young folks is they think that if if someone is in their life and telling them, okay, you know, you they say, oh, I want to be a producer or audio, and maybe that's not what is best for them, but it's going to take some time for them to realize that. And if you just have to be patient and stick with them and engage them and just have conversations that may have nothing to do with that at the time and wait for that moment to figure out, okay, this is, maybe this is what you need to focus in. I've, I've had a similar, similar um, um, experiences sometimes with young folks where they think they want to do one thing, but they just like the the idea of idea. that, and it takes some time to figure that out with them and go, okay, so maybe that's not 
the best, you know, uh, kind of path for you. You know, I see you're really good at this. Have you ever thought about doing and encouraging them to try different things, to try many things before they, they figure, they figure it out, you know, and not. Yeah, that's the, yeah. And that's the whole purpose of the career exploration part. You know, it's, it's identifying one, you're going to, you're going to, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do at 24. I knew that I liked music. I knew that I was good at songwriting. Did I want to be a performer chasing the avenue of, of being on the road and being in the recording deal? No, I was not chasing the record deal. That was not my intention. But I also didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew that I had this talent and gift. I knew that I loved music. It just, I didn't, one, know where to start. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't, like I said, I didn't know anybody in the music industry really up until I started getting into college. And it was going to community college and, and studying popular songwriting and music publishing that I was exposed to the music industry further. You know, I got my first internship at Atlantic. You think I was paying attention to what I was doing in publicity? They had me clipping magazines. I was like, this is not what I thought this was. This is not how I want to spend my time. I ride the bus from, from Pasadena to Beverly Hills mm-hmm. to do this internship. Yep. Why? You know what I'm saying? Like, it was kind of like that. So, you know, and this often happens. You get the internship opportunity. There's no role. What are we doing? We're getting we're getting coffee, and yep. I'm not really learning coffee. anything. Like, I'm not doing coffee. I hear you. Yeah, I, I, I know I that you're thing. not, but I'm just saying. No, that- I did the same thing as an intern. I'm like, I intern at a studio. I said, I'm not here to make coffee. I'm here to learn how to be an engineer. So I sparked yeah. up a conversation with the guy who was mixing everything. I said, How can I be your personal assistant so I could be around and, and soak this engineer? In? information up he said okay well if this is what you want to do this is how you be here tomorrow blah 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 i walked in and i never looked back i i shadowed him everywhere he went yeah you know, i'm not here to make uh, you know kudos to you for having the personality to not be afraid to ask for what you want a you lot of young of people get in and they're like we d- we can't talk to the boss you, you know, know when saying? I got like a job with Prince, that- when I got to hired to do a job with Prince, they said, don't look at him in the eye. I said, if <laughs> I can't look another grown ass man in the eye, I don't need to fuck with him. When I met him, I shook his hand, looked him dead in the eye. And we talked and we had a great time till till we parted ways. But if I can't look at another human being in the eye or if I can't speak to another human being just by being cordial, then I don't need to be in that person's energy because they foul from jumps, period. People can't be afraid to talk to people. I'm not saying come in there and drop your whole discography, but hell, if I can't just say hello, come on now. Well, you know what that, I found that that's really about. Cause I've, I've been in artist relations. There's been several times when they say, you know, don't, don't look at the artist. What they really mean is cause you not do this. Cause you not stare and gawk and, and be all starstruck is act like a person and, and just a normal person and treat them just like you would anybody else. But mm-hmm. that's a lot harder to get across and it's a lot easier to say, don't look at him. You know, it's like a bullet point instead of an explanation. 
Smart. I like anyway. that. Okay. Let's yeah. get back on track <laughs> if we could. Let's let's refocus our positive energy and diversify the stage. And Noel, I, I actually only have one more question for you, and then we have our, our quick hits and we can wrap here. But Tammy, do you have any questions that you'd like to ask? Um, you know, I, I have so many, but it, we don't have time now. I love what you're doing. I want to kind of be in touch with you offline and absolutely and, uh, I, yeah no, I, I would love to I haven't, I, think... I haven't yet i haven't yet i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off i haven't that's yet okay. connected with c3 at all so this would be a, a welcomed conversation i'm so absolutely. down absolutely yes so down. i would love that absolutely I would love that mf you got anything nice to say it's a beautiful day in california <laughs> Got it. I was taking his ball and going home. Got it. No, so, I'm not, no. I, I, why am I always I, either one or the other? Either I'm shooting somebody, beating up on somebody with that, being me. How does that mean? Because I, I don't believe in coddling somebody. I mean, people need help. It's not yes. coddling. It's not I mean, coddling. Matt, it's, it's, people it's, need help it's to do identifying... things, but you got to put your... Yeah, I think it's identifying, right? If you're going to mentor someone, if you're going to mentor young people, you have to expect that they don't know what the hell they want to do. Even if they think that they've identified it. No, I have not, a million, I, I have 25 women in my course and they all range from knowing exactly what they want to do to not having a dead clue or even where to start. And it's, understanding that a young person's mind is developing mm -hmm. and how you talk to them and how you approach them. They're not all going to be like you. They're not all going to be the like go-getters. You're going to get some mentees that you take on that are those hustlers and have that hustling bone that had those people telling them that they couldn't achieve and they wanted to prove them wrong. And you're going to have some people that reject that. They don't know how to respond to it. So it's you as a mentor coming from a place of, of, of equality and the sense of trying to identify who this young person is. Because if you automatically go to lazy and that is your energy when you're talking to them, they feel that. I so, feel my, that. So my question, so my question so, to you is this. You tell me you want to do something. I say, okay, cool. This is what you want to do. Am I supposed to call and tell you we're doing this, 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 or should you reach out to me and say, hey, what you got going on today or this coming week? I think it should be both because you also mm -hmm. have to understand we also don't know how to network. We don't know how to ask the right questions. That is a barrier for many people. I, I still do that in my 40s. I still do that in my 40s. If I don't know how to ask the question appropriately, Nine times out of 10, I'm not going to ask. And I may miss out on an opportunity because of that, but it, it is also confidence within yourself to be able to ask a dumb question because sometimes you get shut down for that shit, you know? Okay, I got to jump in. Yeah. I appreciate everyone's perspective <laughs> all this. This has been a very constructive learning experience. <laughs> Uh, Kyle, it, it sounds like this was not a match made in heaven. I, I think that we can just <laughs> right? squash it and move just on. Just squash that. And yeah. just like, okay, Noel and I are here anytime on, you want to And diversify continue. the stage is still amazing. So let's get back to that, please. 
What yes. can we here at Hustle Like You Broke? And what can our listeners, many of whom are touring professionals in this industry, do to be one, you know, getting on board with the movement and two, taking small steps in their own lives to affect change in the short term and long? Um, I, I definitely think for us right now, we're really focused on the, um, the opportunities. So we're in internship seeking mode for our young people in this existing cohort. So we got 25 young women of color who are interested in careers in this space. So I'm looking for shadowing opportunities, PA opportunities, you know, within our production um, teams any internship programming that is in place, understanding, you know, getting that information when those applications happen, because this is information we share with our young people. Um, that's one place if you want to get involved in DTS now, right? That's where we are. Um, for future programs, we are always looking for masterclass speakers. We are looking for mentors um, for our cohort, as well as the internship host. Um, fundraising is a big thing for us right now. We need to get some money in the bank so that we can run our operations so that this program can be fully realized. Um, other ways you can join DTS, you can become an ambassador. We're asking students that are interested in becoming advocates of Diversify the Stage and the message behind Diversify the Stage to jump on board and, and be a part of our mouthpieces um, talking about DTS, the importance of it, their experiences, if they, you know, have gotten into theater, any barriers that they have coming out of, you know, say Belmont University and their music programs, if they're BIPOC and they can't get internships, talking about these kinds of things, because they're all connected, you know. Um, so these are ways that you can really get involved. There's, you know, become a part of the, the once we launch, launch, once we start spreading a word, become a part of the alliance, start communicating, start uplifting and working with grassroots organizations on a local level that are really targeting our underrepresented communities and trying to create job opportunities in these spaces, be a part of, of, of that work. That is, that is super important. And then, you know, don't get frustrated. Don't get right. frustrated. You know, we got a long road ahead. This is not going to happen overnight for anybody. You know, um, I, I think it's it's really about us being committed. And if we hit a roadblock, figuring out how to get around it. Right. Yes. Okay. Well, Noelle, you've been amazing. We've had you for almost Thank 90 you. minutes already. So I'm going to give you our quick hits. And these are just short answer. I mean, you yep. can take as much time as you want. But your first tour, what was it? Oof. I don't even remember. Uh, Paris, Europe. Went to Europe. We did uh, Germany, uh, France. We had most of the UK around then. Yeah, that was that was it. Paris okay. was the first the first thing. <laughs> Do you have a favorite favorite moment you'd like to share with us? Um, favorite moment was me be meeting Bonnie Raitt at, uh, Strictly, uh, I forgot the name, Hardly Strictly Bluegrass Festival or something in the, in the Bay Area. I'm saying it wrong, but I, I met Bonnie Raitt and, uh, she was in, incredible to me. Very, very nice. 
I told her about how she inspired me really pursuing music. Um, she was a favorite of myself and my brother who passed away when I was young. So it was really wonderful meeting her. Very cool. Hardly Strictly Bluegrass. You got that correct. There you go. <laughs> um, one thing about the industry you'd like us to do better moving forward. What is it? Um, lifting up each other. Lifting up each other, even if you have nothing to do with it. Perfect. You know. Love yeah. it. Shout outs. Get you out on an easy one. You got any for us? Shout outs to you, Matthew, everybody on, on, on here, Tammy, for the work that you're doing, Kyle, for the, you know, the work that you're doing and even wanting to mentor anybody speaks volumes to who you are as an individual. So thank you for that. Um, shout out to Jerome Crooks, his work with Never Famous, the Roadies of Color crew. She is the music sound girls, women in music, their internship program that they're launching, Femme House. Who else I got? UTA, Sam Kirby, Tom Windish, all the folks, Kevin Shiver, Sean G, <laughs> all the people that have been so helpful to me in building Diversify the Stage. Mark Oglesby for being that thread that started this whole thing. Pete Beetle, Wayne Newton, Tag for coming in as our new travel partner. Thankful to them. M Theory for being the first company to actually um, invest in us financially. So all of those. Fantastic. Well, we appreciate you being with us. Tammy, any shout out from you today? You know, I this has been, frankly, a really great show. Noel, it's been great meeting you. I look forward to continuing our conversation there and to everybody out there in the industry wanting to get into the industry. I can't wait until we get back to work for real so that we can really put into place all of these very wonderful goals and ideas that we're talking about. Love that. MF, you want to say anything that ends this on a lighter note for us today? <laughs> there is no smile. No pressure. <laughs> you know what? It was a great conversation. It was a great back and forth. You know, it's just about perspective. You know, there's no, no right or wrong. And uh, it was balanced. It was definitely balanced. Uh, you definitely balanced it out, my friend. You are a true motherfucker. There is no question about that. You know, uh, I, I, I got a lot of love, so I appreciate you. Noel, I appreciate you. Uh, just getting to know you these last several weeks has been amazing. I look forward to the future. I look forward to seeing uh, all the great things that you do, all the people that you named, engaging with all of them for myself in what limited capacity has likewise been amazing. Uh, and certainly we appreciate uh, you being with us and bringing your message to the Hustle Like You Broke audience. So I'm going to leave it right there for today. Uh, I thank you all. I thank our listeners. I thank, uh, you know, all our friends, past, present, and future. And on that note, I'm just going to say thank you and good night. Hey, this is Tech Support. Want to make sure you never miss the newest from Hustle Like You Broke? Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at HLUB Podcast and sign up for our mailing list by going to hustlelikeyoubroke.com slash join. You'll get updates about new episodes, bonus content, exclusive offers, and information on how to become a part of the music industry. Thanks for listening.